Okay, well, John chapter 13. I appreciate uh, Dr. Mitchell sharing with us last week. I watched from home as uh, he talked about uh, foot washing, Jesus washing the disciples' feet, uh, showing us, giving us an example of selflessness in service and with uh, a humble heart as he served his disciples, the God of creation stooped and was a ministry, was a blessing to, to his disciples. And that's an example, church, for us to follow in, in serving others. It's not about us. It's about God and it's about others. And uh, Jesus is our greatest example of that. And uh, then he tells us about uh, a disciple... Uh, who's going to betray him. I know Craig hit on this last week as well. uh, He talked about Judas. and We're going to look more at Judas again this morning. And so in our reading of John chapter 13, uh, I want to go back and I want to read verses 17 through 19 first. Okay? 17 through 19. Jesus says this, If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Verse 18, I am not speaking of all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. I am telling you this now, before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am He. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever receives the one I send receives me, and whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. In these few verses right here, Jesus is uh, encouraging his disciples about events that are about to occur. And he wants them to know, and church, he wants us to know today that Jesus knows every detail before it is about to happen. Jesus knew the events that were about to occur And they were ordained by God. They were spelled out before time began. And and Jesus quotes from Isaiah, or Isaiah, Psalm chapter 41, verse 9. He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. This verse is about to become a reality in speaking about Judas and what he is going to do in betraying um, Jesus. And we all need to understand, church, and never forget that, get this, that no one is outside the purposes of God. God is using each and every person as he has foreordained. And that's a difficult thing to to embrace, to know, and to believe. But we must 
trust it because this is what the Bible teaches. God knows the timing of everything. He knows the purpose. There is a reason. God knows it all. Not just for these disciples, but for us this morning. He has a purpose and a plan, and he's using it all for his glory, for our good. And he tells us this so that we might know that he is God. According to verse 19, he says, I am telling you this before it takes place, that when it does take place, you may believe that I am he. Jesus is God. And so when things occur in your life that Satan wants to use to derail your life, don't allow it. God is in on it. And though we may not have a, a reasoning or an understanding, God is using it. He is using Judas and his dark heart. Now I think of what's happened this weekend and the story that's come out about Rabbi uh, Zacharias. You know, one of the greatest apologists of the Christian faith that's ever lived. His his giftedness encouraged so many Christians all over the world. And yet we learned this weekend that he was living a double life. And there were many women that he had abused sexually. That he had covered up all those years. And that ministry is now over. It's gone. And there are so many hurt people. Because of the foolish decisions that he made. And there are many people's lives whose faith has been derailed because of this story. And church, as difficult as this story is is to comprehend. And by by no means am I condoning his behavior at all. It it was despicable. It's harmed the name of Christ. As painful as this story is. And we don't know how or how God's going to use it, but God, 
God has a plan. And it hadn't caught God by surprise. And God knew it was going to happen. And Jesus this morning is reminding us that he even knows this. He has a purpose behind it all. As ungodly as it has been, as as painful as it has been, God has a purpose. And so there's a warning there, church. We can't afford to put man on pedestals. We live in a day and age where um, we glorify the celebrity pastor or we glorify the, the Christian who has all this giftedness. Church, there is only one Savior. And our Savior will never let us down. But man has the ability... And it is so important that we learn to guard our hearts and not trust our strengths, but in our weaknesses, allow Him to make us strong, that we live in dependence upon Him. So don't let circumstances Jesus Jesus was preparing these disciples. He knew this was going to happen. He didn't want to see their faith derailed. And so, guys, let me just forewarn you. When these things happen, know that I am He. I knew this all along. More evidence that Jesus is God. We need to heed this as well as things occur in our life that we just don't understand. The enemy wants to derail our faith. Don't let him do that. Trust in God. Verses 20 through 30. Verse 21. After saying these things, Jesus was troubled in his spirit and testified, Truly, truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. The disciples looked at one another, uncertain of whom he spoke. One of his disciples, whom Jesus loved, was reclining at table at Jesus' side. So Simon Peter motioned to him to ask Jesus of whom he was speaking. So that disciple, and He's re- John is referring to himself in this passage of Scripture. So that disciple, leaning back against Jesus, said to him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, It is he to whom I will give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel... Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, What you are going to do, do quickly. Now one at the table knew why he said this. No one at the table knew why he said this to him. 
Some thought that because Judas had the money bag, Jesus was telling him, buy what you need for the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out. It was night. Now don't miss that last sentence. It was night. Yes, it was night physically when Judas went out. But it was also night in Judas's heart, whose soul was back, was rebellious against, against God. This is the last night of Judas's life. The Bible says in verse 27 that after Judas had taken the morsel that Jesus had given to him, that Satan entered um, his life. Satan entered into him. God gave Judas over to his depraved heart. Imagine Judas's life. And, and uh, Dr. Inchel mentioned this last week. He had walked with Jesus three years. He had taught his words audibly. He had watched Jesus do all these supernatural miracles. Judas had witnessed the power of God. God in the flesh. And yet Judas never believed. He was totally separated from him. If you look at uh, Matthew chapter 26, and when Jesus told the disciples that one of you is going to betray me, the Bible says that they all ask him, Lord, is it I? But when it came to Judas, Judas didn't say, Lord, is it I? Judas said, Rabbi, is it me? Judas didn't know Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Jesus, Judas had never given his life to him. Jesus wasn't Lord and Master of Judas's life. He was merely known to Judas as Rabbi. And yet, Judas played the game so well. You know, the Bible says in this passage of Scripture that they were all at the table. And so here's 13 of them around this table. Jesus says, one of you is going to betray me. Jesus doesn't say who. And so the text, Peter gets John's attention, who is uh, lying next to, uh, reclining next to Jesus at the table nods to John, hey, ask him who, who he thinks it is. And so when John asks Judas or Jesus uh, who it is, um, it's kind of a private conversation at this point. You know, not everybody is listening to this. Peter just merely got John's attention and said, hey, ask him. And so when John asks, it's this kind of this private uh, conversation between Jesus and John. And John and Jesus whispers, John, it's who I give this morsel to. 
And so it's only really John who's noticing this at, at the moment. And the Bible says that, you know, Jesus tells Judas, now go and what you do, go and do, do now. You're free to leave. I know what you're going to do. And Judas leaves. But the disciples are clueless as to why Judas is leaving. They're thinking that uh, he, Jesus has given Judas a responsibility. Maybe do something uh, kind to the poor. But they have no clue that Judas is about to betray Jesus. Why is that? Because Judas played the part so well. Judas was a man of integrity. Judas was a man that the disciples trusted. Judas was the treasurer. If you know anything about treasure, you want a person to be the treasurer. You want to be a person, uh, the person who's going to be responsible for the money. You need to make sure you can trust that individual. That that person is a person of integrity. And that's exactly who the disciples thought Judas was. And so they thought nothing of it when Judas left. He was about to do something that the Lord wanted him to do. And yet Jesus knew. And Jesus is known for the last three years. Jesus knew that Judas had been stealing money from the money bag. And yet Jesus continued to love Judas and to serve Judas. Jesus treated Judas just like all the other disciples. In spite of the fact that Jesus knew. But Jesus never let on. The disciples never knew that or saw that themselves. He wasn't trusted any differently. And that's an, that's an example of Jesus to us this morning. Here, this was Jesus' enemy. But Jesus continued to love and to serve Jesus. Jesus washed Judas' feet, knowing what Jesus, Judas was about to do. Jesus wants us to respond the same way to our enemies. And that's a hard thing to do, isn't it? <laughs> we want to treat them differently. And that's why it's so important that we live, we can't do this outside a spirit-filled life. We can't do this in the flesh. But this is the way Jesus wants us to live our life. And so, it was night. It was night, not only physically, but it was night 
spiritually in Judas' heart that night as he went out to betray Jesus. Verses 31 through 35. And when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You will seek me, and just as I said to the Jews, so now I will say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. What an appropriate passage to look at on Valentine's Day. Amen? As we look at Jesus' definition of love this morning. But in verse 31 and 32, Jesus says, Now is the time when the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. Understand this. As dark as this moment is, Judas has left to go and betray Christ. Jesus says, now am I going to be glorified, and my Father is going to be glorified. Church, the darkness cannot overcome the light. Jesus is going to get the glory. This is a dark night, but in this, the darkness of this night, God the Son God the Father is going to be glorified. The next day, Jesus is going to be hanging from a cross. The darkness of this event that the scripture has laid out before the foundation of time, this is going to be God's greatest act of love that ever has been seen and is forever to be proclaimed. This is going to be God's finest moment in all of history. As Jesus dies for our sin. Out of darkness, out of treachery, God is God is in his finest moment. Again, Christian friend, when things are dark in your life, God is at work. My, how we can trust him. Do not lose heart. So that's verses 31 and 32. And then in verse 33 says, where, 
where I'm going, you can't come with me. He's talking about um, the cup of wrath that he's going to be drinking from alone. What Jesus is about to do, he is going to do alone. His disciples can't come with him. There is only one Savior who can save us from our sin. That is only Jesus. And he and he alone is the one that deserves to be on that pedestal. He alone is worthy of our worship and praise. And not only is that to be the focus of our life here on earth, but church, that is the focus of heaven itself. Jesus is the center point, the focus for all eternity of what he's done for each and every one of us. No other belongs in that place. And so what he's about to do, no one can come with him. And then he leaves a new commandment in verses 34 and 35. He says, a new commandment. Now, we've had, we know the, the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. That's been an Old Testament com- com- commandment um, throughout the millenniums. But now on this evening, Jesus is saying, now, I'm going to leave you a new commandment. Let's look at that verse again. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And here's the new part. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. How are we to love one another? As Jesus has loved us. Church, we're to love one another. We're to love our neighbor sacrificially. That's how Jesus has loved us. Jesus loved us selflessly. He came to serve. He came as a servant. He humbled himself. This is what it means to love. This love is costly. Jesus loved us with his very own life. It cost Jesus his own life for him to love us. And Jesus is saying, that's how you are to love one another. It is a costly love. That is biblical love. That's how God expects you and I to love one another. To love our neighbor. We're familiar with the Good Samaritan story. When Jesus shared uh, with the rich young ruler what the greatest commandment was. 
to love God and to love others. Then he asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus told the parable of the Good Samaritan. That story for us, the truth of that story is that everyone is our neighbor. And that's a way that we are to love anyone who comes into our not just the the people that we approve of that we like but even our enemy it was a samaritan the person that the Jew hated who went out of his way to love the guy that had been beat, beat up on the side of the road that samaritan was more of a follower of Christ than the religious people who walked by and ignored that individual. As Christians, as Christ followers, we need to learn to love as Jesus has loved us. That's hard to do. And you know what? We live in a world where the unbelievers who want, want to hold us to that truth. That as Christians, that's a way you're to love. I want to just encourage us this morning. Jesus is talking about a biblical love. Jesus loved. But Jesus just didn't love everything. Jesus didn't just love and condone everyone's sin. And that's the way the world wants the Christians to love. That when it comes to loving the world and um, loving your enemy, that you need to tolerate everyone. That you need to embrace, if you're truly going to love me, you need to embrace who I am. My lifestyle, regardless, that's what it means to love. But that's not the Bible's definition of love, church. You know, Paul described for us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what love looks like. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6, he says, Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. The most loving thing that you can do for people who disagree with you, who don't know Christ and want you to love according to the world standards, the most loving thing you can do is tell them the truth. Don't be ugly about it. But let them know this is what the Bible says. I love you as a person, but I can't condone your lifestyle. 
Because this is what the Bible says. And understand, the world's going to hate you. Jesus said in John chapter 15, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If you're going to be a follower of Christ, and if you're truly going to love, you know what? Not everyone is going to like you. But Jesus says, don't be afraid. Love is costly. Love is sacrificial. Stand for the truth. Verses 36 through 38. Simon Peter, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, Will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter wanted to go with Jesus. Peter didn't know where Jesus was going, but Peter wanted to go with Jesus. Now, here at this point, Jesus is referring to heaven. Previously, Jesus was referring to uh, the suffering that he and he alone was going to have to go through for the salvation of people. But now, Jesus is talking about his eternal destiny. He's referring to heaven. An impetuous Peter says, I can go, Jesus. I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. How little Peter knew about himself. Jesus says, Peter, before this night is over, before the cock crows, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. That's exactly what happened to Peter. Why did Peter deny Jesus? Being related to him, being one of his disciples. Why was Peter so afraid? Because he was going to be going through the same thing that he was watching uh, his, his Lord go through as he was being beaten and falsely accused before his enemies. And so Peter denied Jesus. Jesus knows it's going to happen. I want you to know, friend, Jesus knows your weaknesses. Jesus knows all your mistakes. He knows my mistakes. Jesus loves me 
warts and all. And he wants you to know, he wants us to know, that he's still for you. And that he's praying for you. That your faith will prevail. It won't be shipwrecked. Now, what's the difference between Judas and Peter? You know, Judas betrayed Christ. Peter betrayed Christ, denied Christ. The difference between Judas and Peter was Judas didn't know Jesus as Lord. And when Judas went out and he betrayed Christ, and he was convicted about that, instead of repenting, he took his own life. But for Peter... When he failed, the Bible says Peter repented. He was remorseful. He didn't walk away from God. He confessed. He knew he was wrong. And that's the difference, my friend. Don't let the enemy shipwreck your faith when you disappoint God. God knew already that you were going to disappoint disappoint him but don't try to cover it up don't try to pretend to be somebody you're not be real be transparent be authentic repent guess what God loves you he already knew before it was ever going to take place come back to him don't let the enemy cause you to run from Him. Allow the Holy Spirit to draw you back to Him. He wants to restore. Loving like Jesus is costly. Don't be afraid to stand for the truth. Peter got scared And he betrayed Christ. He lied. Don't be afraid. Stand for the truth. Yes, loving one another, loving those in the world that we're trying to reach for the gospel of Christ, it's going to be costly. And they may reject you. But God has a purpose in it all. Jesus says, be in the world, but not of the world. And there is going to come a day, and it's sooner rather than later, where the Bible says we're going to be hauled before the magistrate for the truth that we believe. And to not be afraid, to stand for the truth. Continue to love. Know that your love is going to be costly. And I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 10 this morning because it is so appropriate for times in which we live. You know, church, this is something that's been happening, happening with Christians all around the world. But we've lived in a nation where we have enjoyed our religious freedom. But those days are quickly coming 
to a conclusion. And we're going to have to stand for what is right, for what is good. And this is what Jesus says, beginning in Matthew chapter 10, with verse 17. Beware of men, for they will deliver you over to courts and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings for my name's sake to bear witness before them and the Gentiles. That's been happening to Christians throughout the millenniums. And this sounds very foreign to us in the United States. But we're getting ever so closer. Verse 19, When they deliver you over, do not be anxious how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you in that hour. For it is not you who speak, but the Spirit of the Father speaking through you. Brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child. And children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I say to you, you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. A disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for the disciple to be like his teacher and the servant like his master. If they have called you, if they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that will not be known. What I tell to you in the dark, say in the light, and what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I, will, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to be, bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set man against his father, and a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. This is going to happen, church. 
It's happened elsewhere. And it is going to happen here. And when you and I choose to love biblically, not according to the world standard, but according to what God says is good, what God says is right, there are going to be consequences. You can't love both the world and God at the same time. You've got to choose. And in choosing for God, there are going to be consequences. Peter had a lot to learn. And Peter learned a lot. Yes, he denied Christ three times this night. But Peter came to a a point where God had set him free from the bondage that the world wanted to keep him in. Peter became bold to the point where Peter, when he was about to be crucified like Christ was in Rome, uh, church history tells us that Peter when he was crucified on a cross, that I'm not worthy to be hung on a cross like my Savior. And they hung him upside down. Why was Peter no longer afraid? Because he wasn't living for this world. He was looking for the city that he was destined for. That sea on a hill where the foundations were designed and created by God Himself. That was His home. And He feared God more than man. That's what it means to love. To live according to what God says is true. What God says is good. What glorifies Him? Church, we're living in a day and age where God wants us, Jesus wants us to love like Him. And that love is costly. Are you willing to stand for Him? I want to stand for Him. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for Jesus' example to us. And for Peter's example, too. Peter failed you. But Jesus, you knew he was, and you were praying for him. God, Peter, learn from his mistakes. God, may we be learning from our mistakes. Father, help us to stand for what is right, for what is true. We like it when the world loves us. God, there are situations where those times do not bring glory and honor to you. Help us to be true to who you want us to be.
God, you know what's best. Thank you for loving us with your whole life. May we love the same. Our brothers and sisters in Christ, our friends who are in the world, those who even hate us, who despise us and are out to turn us in, God, help us to respond as Jesus did. We can't do that in the flesh. We need you. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the victory that is ours only in Christ. as we continue to pray maybe you're here this morning and you don't have a relationship with Jesus you know you're Judas and you're faking it really good but you're not you're not pulling the wool over God's eyes and Jesus continues to pursue you loves you unconditionally, longs for you to come to Him. My friend, this morning, give your heart and life to Jesus. Stop hiding. Don't be a Judas. Don't be a Robbie. Jesus knows all your faults. Confess to him this morning. He wants to set you free. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.